So this is Isaiah chapter 64, beginning with verse 1. And remember that Isaiah was a priest. He served the Lord in the temple, and he knew that something bad was coming. And God had him to proclaim the word, words of warning and words of promise. And, there, and there's so much of both. And this is about 700 years before Jesus was born. So Isaiah chapter 64, beginning with verse 1. This is Isaiah praying to God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when, for when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since, since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and make us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray for we are all your people. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words that you have committed to writing for us. Words from Jeremiah's heart as he spoke to you about the need in his nation. And Father, we need you in our nation and around this world. Lift our minds and our hearts and our souls to yourself. Be with us, hear us as we pray, and continue to speak to us through your word. Thank you, Father, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I read about a father who went to the toy store with his little son, and that's always an adventure. But the father suddenly noticed that his son was nowhere in sight. He'd just seen him a minute ago, but now he was suddenly gone. He could see the doors that went outside from where he was, so he knew that the little guy had not gone outside. He must still be somewhere in that big store. So he tried going down the aisle, looking, wasn't there, went down the next aisle, and he kept on going down the aisles and couldn't find him. There's a good chance that maybe the little boy was looking for him, too. Anyway, the dad noticed a security guard and asked if there was you know, some kind of surveillance in the store, and the guards, guard said, yes, there is. So he asked the guard if he had a monitor with him, and he did. So the dad asked if he could scan the aisles of the store, and the guard said, yes, he'd be glad to, and he began to scan up and down each one of the aisles. 
And after a few aisles, praise the Lord, the, the monitor showed the boy. He was sitting on the floor, surrounded by toys. He'd obviously been checking out, and he's crying. Obviously panicking because he suddenly realized that dad wasn't there. The boy was there all by himself with a lot of strangers passing by, none of whom was his dad. So the dad asked the security guard if there was an intercom attached to that monitor, and it did have one. So the dad spoke into the intercom, saying just the boy's name. And the boy was startled. He stopped crying for a moment and looked around trying to figure out where his dad was. The dad told him, just stay where you are, I'll be right there. And the boy looked confused because he couldn't see his dad, didn't know where his voice was coming from. But the dad just told him, don't move. I can see you even though you cannot see me. Stay right where you are, I'm coming. So keep that in mind as we think, look at our text. Because as we look in Scripture... As I said, Isaiah was a priest who served in the temple in Jerusalem. He knew that something bad was going to happen if the nation of Israel did not repent. To look on the outside, everything was prosperous. But on the inside, their evil just kept on getting worse and worse. And Isaiah knew that they would be facing something very bad very soon if that didn't change. And Isaiah called out for help to someone he could not see, to someone who he hoped was still watching over his nation and was still listening. Because an intercom is fine for a toy store, but Isaiah wanted something bigger. He was crying out for things like quaking mountains, burning brushwood, boiling water, something impressive to get people's attention. Because he loved the people he served, and he knew God did. Isaiah called out to God, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That God would just rip open the sky, tear through that barrier between us and God, and come down, because he was needed. Isaiah wanted God in person on earth. He knew God could make things right. But Isaiah wanted God to do something big and powerful and impressive. Ripping, over the sky, ripping, ripping open the sky would get my attention. God descending to earth certainly would. Mountains quaking? Yes, I've been in an earthquake before out in California. I didn't like it. Fires burning? Yeah, on St. Francis. One time there was a fire that went through this little valley just on the east side of town. And I was, a lot of smoke. I was wondering if it was going to come into town. Fires are scary. Waters boiling. Something to get the attention of these people. They're supposed to be God's chosen nation. But these things are not comforting images. Mountains shaking and breaking apart would be scary. If it's happening to you. Fires can spread out of control. Boiling water can scald. But what would it take to get the people to listen to God? To quit taking Him for granted and to quit ignoring Him. To actually seek after God and reach up to Him instead of chasing after all those phony gods from all the surrounding nations. 
something to stop the disaster that was coming closer to Israel. He thought something big. But the nation of Israel had experienced something like this before. A previous generation had witnessed for themselves plague after plague after plague striking down Egypt, except for that little corner where the Hebrews lived. That same generation had also witnessed the sea splitting open right in front of them because God was providing a way of escape from the armies that were pursuing them to kill most of them and drag the others back to slavery. That generation had also camped at the foot of Mount Sinai and witnessed for themselves the mountain covered in smoke. They felt the ground quaking under their feet and they heard the thunderous voice of God and they were terrified. The people trembled then and they'd sent Moses up to the, on the mountain himself to go talk to God for them. To face God themselves would have been too terrifying. Now, all these years later, once again, Isaiah was calling on God to come near. He needed to. The nation of Israel was in need of help. Well, God did take action not long after that. It wasn't the kind of action Isaiah was, was hoping for. But God took action. He took, sent the nation of Israel off, away from their homeland, into exile in a foreign land. The good part of that is they quit worshiping those disgusting fake gods. And then he brought them all back home, most of them back home to Israel 70 years later. But if you want to know about the answer to that prayer of Isaiah, that came 700 years later. Heaven did open up and did come down to earth. There were no quaking mountains involved, no burning fire, no boiling water, because God's answer to Isaiah's prayer was a baby, of all things, a baby, who was given the name Jesus. In the Greek, it's Yeshua. In the Hebrew, but it means the Lord saves. And that's what he came to do. This is the answer to that prayer. That's why that tree is up. That's why we're singing some of those wonderful songs. In verse 9, Isaiah asks God, do not remember our iniquity forever. Isaiah admits that God's people have sinned against him. And even when the people did something righteous, it was still stained by their sins. Because of their sins, they were like a leaf that fades, blows away in the breeze. None of them were calling out to God. None of them were reaching up to Him. And God had turned His face away from His own people. And Isaiah prayed that God would do something to fix this. He was hoping that God would heal that broken connection between God and His chosen people. He appealed to God that once again He would consider them as His people so that their sins would never, ever be remembered. God is their Father, Isaiah reminded him. They were like clay in His hands for Him to mold and shape and create something good. Could God heal what had been broken? How could it be 
that their betrayal of God could be forgotten and erased. Isaiah's prayer, this part of the prayer, would also be answered in about 700 years. It would be answered at a time when Israel had returned home and the temple had been rebuilt. The prayer would be answered when the Son of God would be nailed to the cross just outside those enormous walls of Jerusalem. Because there the Son of God would take all of our sins onto Himself, making Himself guilty so that we could be innocent of them in the eyes of God. And Jesus would take those things into death and He would leave them there. So God's people would be forgiven completely. Their sins all erased and they could live in complete, complete peace with God, beginning here and now and continuing through all eternity. And in the very last words of verse 9, Isaiah said to God, Please look, we are all your people. Now, there is a certain Hebrew word that's repeated in several of the phrases in this text. This one little word is kulanu. There's not going to be a test on that. That's okay. But it means literally all of us. And in the Hebrew, it's repeated again and again. It's, it's there to be noticed. It's there, and it's awkwardly placed at the end of each of these phrases. And it's not the way the grammar is usually structured. It's like he's intentionally making or wanting God to pay attention to this and to have, well, us pay attention to it. So, in the first part of verse 6, we are like one unclean, all of us. In the second part of verse 6, we drooped like a leaf, all of us. In verse 8, good news, we are the work of your hand, all of us. And then in verse 9, behold, please look, we are your people, all of us. Four times in that short passage, there it is, Kulanu, all of us. He's emphasizing here that God's people are all in this together. All of us, by faith, are belonging to God. All of us sin. All of us fall short of the glory of God. There are no exceptions. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. All of us are people for whom Jesus would go to the cross in order to save. All of us can be forgiven for each and every sin, so they won't matter in the eyes of God. All of us can have a place in eternity with God. All of us, little children, some of us gray-haired people too, can all be long there in God's home. Isaiah called out to God. He's a priest. He wasn't doing it just for himself. He was a priest in the temple of God. And as a priest, he would make intercession for the people, praying to God for them. And even, in a way, praying for us, even after all these years, for all of us. Isaiah called out to God to please take action on behalf of all people and on behalf of each individual person. Not just for the elite, 
not just for the wealthy, not just for the right ethnic group, all of us. Who did God take action for by sending Jesus to earth and into our lives? It's all of us. Who did Jesus come to save? It's all of us. Who is the Holy Spirit urging? Is urging to tr- us to trust God? It's all of us. Because He doesn't want us to be lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. This is God who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And the way is by faith in Jesus Christ. Because he's the Son of God. He is the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. So if you think about it, we are kind of like that little boy in the toy store. There are a lot of things that distract us in this world. Sometimes we get ourselves into trouble. But think about being separated from God, lost from Him, because that's what sins do. But imagine hearing His words, not even seeing Him yet, but hearing Him. God letting you know that He can see you and that you will see Him and everything is going to be okay. Well, right now we cannot hear His voice yet, but we do have his words right now. And I'm thankful that this was brought up to me because here it is. Open up your Bible and know that these are God's words. Sometimes the words confront you, and that's good because you're not always doing and saying and thinking what's right. Sometimes the words do comfort you, letting you know the promises that God has made for you. The Bible lets you know God's words right now. You do not have to wait until you see Him face to face. And the Bible also lets you know that when you talk to God, whether it's in words or it's beyond words, He hears everything that you tell Him. You do not have to wait to start talking to Him until you see Him with your eyes. He wants to hear you now, like a loving father eager to hear his beloved son. God speaks to you in Scripture, and God listens to you. The simple reason is He loves you, and He wants you to know that you will see Him. So when you think about this text, please remember, there is an opening that has been ripped between heaven and earth. And that opening is not just a fact of nature, it's a person. It's Jesus the Son of God, the Savior who was crucified and has risen for you. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, thank you that the way between heaven and earth is not solidly blocked. That's not a firm barrier anymore. Thank you that the way through it is Jesus, a person, someone who cares about us so much that he was willing to go to the cross and endure all of that so that we could be declared innocent of each and every one of the sins because they don't matter anymore to you. And Father, keep us now away from sin. Help us to live a life of repenting so that that barrier doesn't grow back for us. We need you. So thank you that Jesus did come down to earth 
and that Jesus has come into our lives. And we can know you by faith. It's all spelled out for us in Scripture. We can know you. It's a matter of your grace. We can't earn it, but it's ours because of Christ. And Father, this is something this world needs to know. Because this world is descending into more and more violence, more and more anger, more and more hatred, and we're here to work against all of that, to work your ways of peace and respect and love into this world. Thank you, Father, for using us and watching over us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.